Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. If you uh, still have a father, I encourage you today to find ways to honor him. Uh, even if he hasn't been a good father, honor him because you have a good father in heaven. Uh, I want to honor my father here for just a minute. You know, if you were to judge my father by the standards that we see thrown around in the world from time to time, you might come to the conclusion that my dad was a complete failure. Uh, he never once took me hunting or fishing. He uh, never did change me how to, or teach me how to change my oil or spark plugs. He was too impatient when he was working on projects to give me an opportunity to hammer a nail or two or paint with a paintbrush. And he never did sit me down and have a father-son talk about what it meant to be a man or a good husband. And so by those standards, my dad was a complete zero. But I did learn a lot from my dad. But what I learned from him, mostly I learned from observation. I learned at an early age that I was loved. I'm told that I was a colicky baby. I don't think we knew what lactose intolerance was back then. And so we just called it colic and moved on. But apparently I uh, required many, many uh, sleepless nights for my parents to be rocked and, and sung to. And believe it or not, I have memories of being rocked by my dad singing to me in that off-key, atonal melody that was the same for every song he sang. My dad was a hugger and a cuddler, and I knew from early in life that I was loved. I learned from my dad the importance of reading the Bible and praying. On the rare occasion that I got up before breakfast, I would drag myself into the kitchen, sleepy-eyed, only to find my dad at the kitchen table with his head bowed over the Bible. And before I went to bed, once I was old enough, we always read the Bible and prayed together. My dad would start the day and end the day with the Word of God and with prayer. Unfortunately, our, I don't, we're not supposed to use that word. Um, sadly, I didn't really learn that lesson until much later in my life. I learned from my dad what it meant to be a faithful church member and a servant. I spent many countless boring hours at the church building as my parents attended their various committee meetings and activities. And I learned from watching my dad at, at business meetings how to stand up against wrong and injustice and how to uh, calm and bring peace in the midst of rancor. I learned from my dad what it meant to be a faithful husband. My mom and dad were married for 53 years and I was around for the last 35 of those. I saw firsthand how they served each other. I saw how their distinct gifts 
and personalities complemented each other, and I saw how they handled disagreements. They weren't much for public displays of affection, either physical or verbal, but I lived with them, and I knew that they loved each other. And finally, and I know I, when I say this, people look at me funny, but my dad taught me how to die as a Christian. That is an important thing for us to learn as followers of Christ because Christ calls us to be faithful until the end. And I watched my dad handle the increasing mental and physical weakness with grace and humility. In our last conversations, I asked my father if he was afraid to die. And without hesitation, he replied, no. He had no doubt that to be absent from the body was to be present with his Lord. And I hope and pray when my time comes, I can set that same example. This is my father's legacy. And you know, I wouldn't trade that legacy for all of the hunting and fishing trips in the world. My dad didn't teach so much as show. And his attitude was, do as I do. Only I'm sure if he was standing with me here today, he would say, only do it better. Men, it is one of the great privileges that, and also one of the great responsibilities in our lives to leave a legacy for our families. Transparently, that wasn't something that I thought much about while my kids were still in the house. But now I think about it a lot, and I realize that I still have that responsibility to my grown children as well as my grandchildren and to my wife and to the church to leave a legacy of faith in Christ. So this morning we're going to take a break from our sermon series in Exodus to give an exhortation to fathers, but it's an exhortation that applies really to all followers of Christ. I want us to consider what kind of legacy a Christian father should strive to build. Strive to build. I borrowed that word, strive, from Hebrews 12:14, which tells us to strive for holiness, without which we will not see God. Strive is a word which means to make great efforts to achieve something, to struggle or fight vigorously for something. Leaving a legacy of eternal importance should be something that we as Christian fathers should fight vigorously for. We have to battle against our natural tendencies to do what's easiest. We have to fight against the temptation to spend more of our time and energy on our hobbies or our entertainment or, dare I say, even our work. And we need to fight the image that the media constantly bombards us with of fathers who are little more than adult children. We need to fight vigorously to build a legacy that impacts those around us for the glory of God 
and a legacy that has ripple effects throughout future generations. And with that in mind, the takeaway that I want you to have this morning is this. Christian fathers should strive to build a legacy of faith in Christ by setting an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would give us teachable and humble hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified through this message. Lord, you must increase and I must decrease. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll use this message to transform hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in 1 Timothy this morning. 1 Timothy is a letter of exhortation and encouragement written by Paul the Apostle to his mentee, if you will, Timothy. Paul had picked up Timothy near the beginning of his second missionary journey. And Timothy was probably a, either an older teenager or in his early 20s at this time. And Paul became a mentor to him. And uh, as they, uh, they, they went through many hardships together, and they expanded the kingdom of God together. And now when we come to the book of 1 Timothy, we find that Paul has left Timothy in the city of Ephesus to be a pastor. And Timothy has encountered some problems in the church that most pastors face, certainly not those of Piney Ridge Church. Whoops, I shouldn't, shouldn't tell lies. Problems that could easily derail a young and inexperienced pastor. So Paul wrote this fatherly letter to Timothy to encourage him to courageously and boldly exercise his authority and stay grounded in the Word of God. So we come to 1 Timothy 4.12. That's our text for this morning. And Paul starts it off with saying this, let no one despise you for your youth. In other words, Exercise your pastoral authority, Timothy, even though most of the church is older than you. And then Paul continues on, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Timothy, as the leader of the church and in a position of authority, is to set the example for the church and how they're to behave as followers of Christ. Don't just tell them how to act. Set the example for them. And Paul gives Timothy five areas in which he should set an example for his church. But I find this verse to be applicable to more than just pastors. I think all followers of Christ could apply this verse to their lives, and I think I find it particularly to apply well to fathers. So uh, we kind of... Uh, brainstormed as an eldership, and this was the passage we came up with. And I'm excited to preach it, because we're going to look at five, these five areas, one at a time, to flesh out how fathers can build a legacy of faith in Christ. And so the first one is, that first section is that fathers should strive to build a legacy of faith in Christ by setting an example in godly speech. Men, keep watch over your tongues. Avoid 
harsh words and harsh tones of voice. Speak graciously, first of all, to your wives. Speak graciously because your kids are listening and they are learning. Okay? So speak graciously to them, lovingly to them, but also speak graciously and lovingly about them when you're talking to your kids or when you're talking with other people. Speak graciously and lovingly to your children, even when they frustrate you, even when you are correcting them. Listen to me. Look here. There is no rule written anywhere that says, well, there may be, but it shouldn't be. There is no rule that says that you have to sound angry and yell when you're correcting your children. In fact, Paul commands fathers to do the opposite in Ephesians 6, 4. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline will be much more effective when you're speaking calmly and rationally. So listen, when your children misbehave, sometimes I think it would be wise to give them a timeout so that you can take a timeout and pray and ask God to work through you and to help you not be angry, but to speak with the truth in love. Your heart will be in a much better place if you do that. And you'll find that these times of discipline are much more effective. Let, let Ephesians 4.29 be your watchword. It says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now listen, this does not mean you ignore sin. God forbid. We are commanded by God to discipline and correct our children. But as godly fathers, strive to be gracious, loving, and forgiving as you dole out the consequences for sin. And so that the end result will be to build your children up. Fathers, Strive to build a legacy of faith in Christ, not just for your family, but for the watching world. Watch what you say in all spheres of life. It's particularly easy to lose this focus on social media. I know this from experience. Watch what you say online and watch how you say it. Be sure that your online footprint leaves a legacy of faith in Christ. Jesus says that we'll give an account for every careless word that we speak. So let's strive to set an example in godly speech. Second, fathers should strive to build a legacy of faith in Christ by setting an example in godly conduct. Now, that word that's translated conduct here in 1 Timothy 4.12 is the same word that's translated way of life in Hebrews 13.7, where the author encourages the church 
to remember their leaders and to consider what is the outcome of their way of life and to imitate their faith. I think that bears repeating. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You probably have heard the saying, don't do as I do, do as I say, right? Do what I tell you to do, but don't necessarily do what I do. That's a cop-out. That's weak. It's lame. But it's the attitude that a lot of us have with our children. We're willing to set a standard for them that we're not willing to meet ourselves. And listen, that's a losing proposition. Kids are smarter than that. Kids are going to remember what you do far more and far longer than what you say. This November will mark 30 years since my dad passed away. I can remember some of the things he said, but I can tell you and assure you that I remember far more the things that he did. It's important to teach your children with words. But I would say it's more important to lead your children by example. Live a godly life. Set an example of godly conduct. And think about this for a minute. I'm probably closer to this than you are, but at your funeral, wouldn't it be great if people came up to your children and said, consider your father's way of life and imitate his faith? Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't it be great now to be able to say to your children what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1? 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Set an example of godly conduct. Third, fathers should strive to build a legacy of faith in Christ by setting an example of godly love. I told you earlier that I knew from early on that I was loved because of the fact that I was constantly rocked and, and, and sung to and, and held by my father, but that's just one expression of love. And it's great to be a cuddly father. It's great. But I think it's more important. In fact, I know it's more important for you to, through your actions of, to your children and to your wife, to demonstrate a godly, sacrificial love. Love them sacrificially, which may mean that you have to sacrifice some of your own desires and pleasures. Amen? Uh, amen? Yes. You may have to give up some golf. Or you may have to take your smaller child, small children, maybe not too small, but your, your sons and, and your daughters hunting with you and fishing with you, right? Rather than being able to enjoy it by yourself. Learn to do things with your kids. And don't look for those times when you can be away from them so much. Fathers, love your families with a sacrificial love. That's a hard thing for us to do because we are by nature selfish people. Therefore, we must strive in the power of the Holy Spirit to love our families sacrificially. 
Your children need to see you portray sacrificial love to them so that they know what it looks like. But they also need you to train them in sacrificial love. You need to train your children to look for ways that they can serve their mothers. You need to train your children to look for ways that they can serve each other. And you need to lead out in teaching your family to serve in the neighborhood, in the community. One lesson I learned from my dad, uh, probably as early as eight or nine years old, is whenever we had a snow, we would go out and shovel the driveway, and then we would go next door and shovel our elderly neighbor's driveway, and then we would go next door to him and shovel, shovel that elderly neighbor's driveway. My dad never sat me down and said, here's what I'm teaching you, but I learned my lesson by observing it and participating in it and having my dad lead out in it. Teach your children to love others sacrificially by setting an example in godly love. Fourth, fathers should strive to build a legacy of faith in Christ by setting an example of godly faith. One of the hardest things about being a Christian parent is that the one thing that we want most for our kids is something we cannot give them. We cannot cause our kids to come to faith in Christ. And that's hard because we like to have the illusion of control, don't we? We like to think we can give our kids everything that they need And it's hard to watch them grow and know that we can't impute our faith to them. But there's grace in that knowledge because we are are at our most joyful when we are most dependent on God, right? And so it's gracious that we must depend on God for our children's salvation because He's the only one who's wise enough, holy enough, and righteous enough, and loving enough to save. We are totally dependent on Him for, to birth new life in our children. And so we must be dependent upon Him. And one of the best ways for us to show our dependence on God is prayer. Fathers, pray continuously for the salvation of your children. Don't assume that just because you're a follower of Christ that they will be. Pray frequently and fervently for their salvation. And I challenge every one of you, church, I'm challenging you today to pray for the children and the families of our church. Pray for the young children, but also pray for the teenagers. We have teenagers in our church family that don't have a saving relationship with Christ. Let's pray for them. We have adult children in our church family that are not saved. Let's pray for them. Pray for those that you know for sure by name. On my weekly prayer schedule, every Thursday is a day to pray for people that are in my sphere of influence who don't know Christ. And I pray for them. And I pray and ask God to send me or someone else to share the gospel with them. I pray for God to birth new life in them. But listen to me carefully, fathers. Every day, every day, I pray for my children and their spouses and my grandchildren by name, and I ask God 
to save them. Thinking of salvation as the process that starts with justification and carries on through sanctification and ends with glorification. I pray that they will all persevere to the end, that they will pursue godliness, that they will pursue God, and that the image of Christ will be formed in them. Pray for your children. Make it your most urgent prayer. But there is more that we can do. There are things that we can do that the Holy Spirit can use to implant the word of the gospel in their hearts. We must talk to them about Christ. We're urged in the book of Deuteronomy to talk to our children when they wake up and when they lie down to sleep and when they eat and when they play. It doesn't say when you're driving in the car in Deuteronomy, but that'd be a good addition. Talk to your children about Christ. Talk to them about your wonderful God, how awesome He is and how powerful He is and how loving He is and how much you love Him. Talk about His justice and that their sin will not go unpunished. Talk about His mercy and the fact that He sent His only Son to die for, their, for sinners, to take their punishment. Talk about how if they will place their faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done, dying as their substitute, taking their punishment, overcoming death and by rising from the grave. And if they'll put their faith in that, they will become children of God. And then live it. Passionately pursue God yourself. Listen, I'm convinced that the number one most important thing you can do for your children is to passionately pursue God. And then let your children see you living out your faith. Let them see, hear you pray. Let them hear you singing praises to God at the top of your lungs. Let them see you eagerly listening to the word being proclaimed. Let them see you hungrily studying your Bible. Talk to them about faith. Talk to them about your own struggles and how God helps you through them. Set an example for your children of faith. Fifth, fathers should strive to build a legacy of faith in Christ by setting an example in godly purity. Be a role model of moral purity, of personal holiness, that word holiness is sometimes hard. It's slippery. It's hard to get a grip on, like wet soap. There are different nuances of meaning for the word. There's the holiness of God, which seeks to describe that He is of an essence that is distinct from our own and beyond and superior to our own essence. He is set apart from us, and we'll talk more and more about this as we move on talking about the tabernacle in Exodus. In the same sense of setting apart, when people are born again, they are new creations created in Christ Jesus for good works. They are set apart from the rest of the world to be God's children and to be used by God for His glory. 
When you're born again, God sets you apart. God makes you holy. But another meaning of holiness has to do with, as we talked about, moral purity. The holiness of God speaks to His moral purity. And as followers of Christ, we're commanded to be holy as God is holy. But even in that sense of personal holiness, there are different aspects of it to consider. Now, to be holy can, first of all, mean to be obedient to the commands of God. The Ten Commandments and the commands of the New Testament tell us what God is like. They tell us what God loves, and they tell us what God hates. Followers of Christ who have the law of God written on their hearts should pursue holiness by obeying His commands. But there's a second aspect to personal holiness. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment, He didn't quote any of the Ten Commandments. Instead, reading in Matthew 22, He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You see, you can outwardly obey all the commandments without loving God. People do that. Jesus had a name for them. He called them hypocrites. It's not enough just to obey the commands. We must obey the commands because we love God supremely and because we love others sincerely. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. We also cannot say that we have faith in God and we love God and then live our lives any way that we want to. That's not loving God. That's a dead faith. We must have both. We must love God first and foremost, and we must love others. And as an outpouring of that love, we must obey the commands of God. That's what holiness is. But there's only ever been one person who was truly holy, right? The Son of God in human flesh, Jesus Christ, was able to fulfilled the law completely from the heart. He loved God perfectly and he loved the world perfectly. And he obeyed the commands of God perfectly. He was obedient to his Father even to the point of death on a cross. And listen, he wasn't killed. He gave himself over to die as a substitute for sinners. He took the sin of his people on himself and absorbed the wrath of God on their behalf. And then God signified his acceptance and approval of all that Jesus did by raising him from the dead and exalting him to the right hand of the throne of grace. And those who put their faith in him will be saved from the just punishment that is due for their sin, and they will be accepted and adopted as children of God. If you're not trusting in Jesus for your salvation, I beg you to do so today. If 
you want to talk about it, just I'll be out there. Just come see me afterward, and I would love to talk to you about it. But here's a question. If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation, why would you? Why should Christ be the object of our faith? Why should we pin all of our hopes on him? Well, 1 Timothy 4.12 gives us a clue. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of speech. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of conduct. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of love. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of faith. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of purity. And Jesus Christ is the perfect image of God. Fathers, if you want to show forth the image of God for your family, you must follow in the steps of Christ. That's how you build and leave a lasting legacy of faith. But listen to me, this is important. Not only is Jesus Christ our example, but he and he alone gives us the ability to follow him. If you're in Christ, you've been set free from the shackles of sin. If you're in Christ, you're no longer a slave to sin. If you're in Christ, you have the power and the ability to, to put away sin and to follow in his steps in, in holiness. If you're in Christ, there's grace to forgive you when you fail. And there's grace to empower you to succeed. I want to sh close by sharing something about myself. Not for the purpose of pride or arrogance, but for the purpose of boasting about the transforming power of God and also hopefully as an encouragement to all of you. I'm 65 years old. When I was younger, when I was the age of the fathers that are in this room and I had kids at home, I must confess to you that if you had asked my children, what's the most important thing in life to your dad? I don't really know what they would have said. Uh, they might have said family. They might have said cardinal baseball. They might have said the most important thing to our dad is for us to get A's in all of our classes. They might have said the most important thing to our dad is for us to win our volleyball matches and our basketball games. I don't really know what they were, would have said. But if they've been answering from the heart, I confess to you today that I sincerely doubt that they would have said the most important thing to our dad is to passionately pursue God. And that breaks my heart. But fast forward 25 years or so to when my granddaughter Olivia was about five. And a question of theology sprang up among the grandkids. It happens occasionally. And Olivia said, let's ask Grandpa because he always talks about the Bible. 
And that makes my heart sing. I'm thankful to God that I have been transformed more into the image of Christ and that I that he has allowed me to leave a legacy of faith for my children and my grandchildren. I tell that story to say this. If you're taking inventory today, fathers, and you feel like you come up short in setting the example to your children and to others in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, if you come up short and displaying the image of God, there is hope for you. If you're a follower of Christ, confess your sin and start pursuing God more persistently today. Start pursuing God this week. If you haven't been pursuing God, if, if that's not been the number one thing in your life, then confess that as sin to your kids and your wife's. And tell them that that's what you want to do and ask them to hold you accountable. If there is hope for a rebellious reprobate like me, there's hope for you in Christ. Fathers, you have been called to set an example for your kids. It's a holy calling. It's an awesome responsibility, and it's a precious privilege, and it's possible only in Christ. Leave a legacy of faith in Christ for your family, for your friends, and for your church by setting an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And one of the ways that you can start to do this is by talking to your children today as we take communion together. Jesus gave himself over to death on a cross so that by faith in his life, death, and resurrection, we might be born again, that we might have victory over sin and death in Christ. Tell that to your children today as we take communion together. Tell them how the wafer symbolizes the broken body of Jesus and the juice symbolizes the blood, his blood that he spilled for sinners. Talk to them about the faith that you've been given to trust in all that Jesus has done for your salvation. All of you who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation have had that faith affirmed in a local church by baptism. Let me give you a few moments now to gather with your family and talk and pray together and take communion together. And if you have someone around you that's not here with family, pull them into your family. And we'll take a few minutes and then we'll come back together and sing another song about the power of the cross.